Hey there, this is AJ. I'm so glad you've joined us today on Faith for My Generation podcast. I want to remind you that our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word, and our mission is to create a resource of teachings that build strong faith in God. You know, that really is my prayer, that as you hear this message today, that the power of God's Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, will stir up your most holy faith in Him so that you can be a light and a witness and a testimony of the living God in this earth. I pray that this message will richly bless you and increase you in spirit, soul, and in body. Now, let's get to the message. Let's make that confession. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And I can have what it says I can have. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind's alert, my heart's receptive, and I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, the incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name. If that really is you, won't you say amen? Amen. Oh, I like that. That sounds good. That sounds good. If I wanted it nice and quiet, I would have went down to the cemetery. I came to be among the people of God who are alive in Christ. Amen? Pastor Lester Summerall, he was a bold man. He had someone uh, that was coming to his church and all of a sudden just quit coming. And, and he noticed, and he pastored a very large church in his day for sure. And they were saying, well, I came one day, but I couldn't find a parking spot. And the church is just too big. How many like big churches? Amen? We're going to make this one bigger too by the power of God. And Lester Summerall, Pastor Summerall said, well, go down to the cemetery. There's plenty of empty spaces there. You won't ever have a problem parking down at the cemetery. We're a people that are alive. Amen? Amen. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 is where we're going to begin today. May 2nd is when I spoke the first part of this message. And uh, you might think, well, uh, lots of times I'll have something that the, uh, the Lord will put in my heart. And I've come to realize, you know, a 47-minute message just don't get it all out. And, and, and this is one of, this, be, this is part two of 15 different things that the Lord showed me concerning Bible boldness. And so I, the Lord just kept mulling it over and I kept mulling it over. And as the book of Acts says, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. It seemed good to me and the Holy Spirit. So we're going to just keep on going and discussing this topic of Bible boldness. If you missed the first one or you didn't hear it or you don't remember it, May 2nd uh, is when I preached the first sermon on this idea of Bible boldness concerning the three Hebrew children. Today we're going to look at another man, the man Moses, and see who truly was a man of God. We're going to see how he boldly acted on the Word of God. We're going to take a look at a few things that the Bible tells us about in the book of Hebrews concerning Moses, that the reality is, though he made an individual decision based on his life, the underlying principle stands true for us. You always go to the Word of God in searching for principle. Because when you do that, it will open up your eyes so much wider to the things of God. If you go to the Bible and say, well, yeah, that was Moses, that was Joseph, that was Jesus, that was Paul, you'll miss out on so much. But when you go and you allow, as Jesus said, the Holy Spirit to teach you, Jesus said He will teach you all things in that day. 
when you allow the Holy Spirit to teach you and you say, Lord, what is it that Moses did that is the principle founded in your kingdom? God is a God of principles. He's a God of law. He's a God of sowing and reaping. He's a God of do this, this happens. He's a God of order. And when you go to the Bible and say, Holy Spirit, show to me what Moses did that needs to be done in my life. Though his particular circumstance may be different. Anyone grew up in Egypt? Okay, that's the first difference, right? He grew up in Egypt. But we can see the principles of him leaving out of Egypt and how they apply to our life. And so Moses shows us the necessity of Bible boldness in our life. I mentioned it last time I spoke on this. You look in the book of Acts, what they pray for often, they don't, they don't pray for faith. They don't say, Lord, give us more faith. The Bible clearly tells us how to get faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God or anything else you're hearing. Whatever you're listening to is what you'll believe. Maybe not after five minutes or 50 minutes or five hours or five days, but if you listen to a voice long enough, it will become a God unto you, good or bad. And if you listen to the voice of God, He will be your God. And in the book of Acts, they didn't pray for faith. They prayed for boldness. They said, Lord, let us boldly do what you've told us to do. They didn't pray necessarily for escape in t when situations got tough. They didn't say, Lord, come on, rapture us right now and get us out of here real quick. Some of them were expecting it. Those poor saints in Jerusalem, they sold everything. They thought Jesus was coming in back in about a week and a half. So there was some understanding there needed by the Holy Spirit. But they didn't say, you know, get us out of every situation. They said, let us do what you told us to do regardless of what's taking place in the earth. And that is what is necessary for this county, this state, this nation, and this earth. What the earth needs, what America needs, what South Carolina needs, what this county needs, what your family needs is bold Bible truth being lived out in a bold Holy Ghost-filled person. They need you to be bold for God on His behalf. And so we see that in the book of Acts. They prayed for boldness. Now let's look. How can Moses teach us about boldness? Hebrews 11, verse 24. Hebrews 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming or judging or determining the reproach of Christ greater riches. Someone say greater. Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should be touched or should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. The Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Someone say amen. amen. 
there's four things that I saw and that we talked about last time in Bible boldness. There's four main ingredients. I talked about making a boldness cake. And I, and I made mention of my favorite cake and of how it's just chocolate on chocolate on chocolate with Reese cups. And sometimes I'll switch it up and change the chocolate icing to peanut butter icing. And I talk about how any cake has certain ingredients. Bible boldness has four main ingredients. In order for you to be bold in this earth, when this world and its system is ruled by the fear of man, in order for you to stand against the grain, stand against the flow, to stand true to God, you're going to have to have these four things operating in your life. You're going to have to be in right standing with God. If you have something in between you and the Lord, then you won't be able to stand bold. You'll try to stand bold, and Satan will come and whip you with whatever you've allowed to creep in between your relationship with God. And before you dare open your mouth... He'll just be right there creeping in and said, No, you got to get right with God. And then also keep in, mind, keep in mind this too. The Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Even if he doesn't have something on you, he'll lie and try to get something over in on you. And he'll bring up something that's under the blood. Someone say, Under the blood. He'll bring something up that's under the blood. The Bible says that if we repent and confess our sin, that God is faithful and just to cleanse us and forgive us of all unrighteousness. How many know if you come before God and say, Lord, I did the wrong, please forgive me, He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. Now, Satan might come along and say, well, you remember you did this, you can say, I did do that, but the man you're talking about is a dead man. The man you're talking about is a dead... Or what you're talking about, Satan, it's under the blood and God is faithful to cleanse and forgive and I'm in right standing with God. In order to stand bold, you're going to have to be in a place of right standing with God. That you know your God and He knows you. You're going to have to have only fear for God. Only a reverence for God. We saw that in the book of John. There were these chief rulers. It literally says they believed on Jesus. But for the fear of the Pharisees and Sadducees, they didn't confess their belief in Him. They believed what Jesus was saying. But they were scared to death to say it. And you can't get and be in a place of God's glory seeking the glory of man. You're either going to have to fear man or fear God. But there is no gray area where you get to do both. You're going to have to either stand with God or with man. That's what Joshua said. He said it to the entire nation of Israel. In his old age, he put a line in the sand. He said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. You do whatever you want. We're going to serve God. How many have decided to serve God? We're going to serve, come hell or high water. Regardless of anything the world may try to conjure up or bring against. Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 13, 6 says, so that we, do, we can boldly say, I will not fear what man can do unto me. Because God never leaves me nor forsakes me. He's ever present one. 
You're going to have to live by the power of God if you're going to stand bold in this world. And you're going to have to live according to the Word of God. If you will put God's Word first in your life, I'm not persuaded, it's not my opinion. It is a truth in which the universe is built upon. If you will honor God's Word, He will bring to pass what He's promised. And, and, the, and God said through the prophet Samuel, He said, those that lightly esteem me, God, those that think little of me, I will think little of. But those that honor me, I will honor them. The book of James says that God resists. He actively wars against the prideful. But those that are humble, He exalts. And when you'll honor God's Word to the place of, I can't do that. God said not to. Whatever it is. Pick whatever sin the earth or the world throws against you. Pick whatever temptation Satan throws out in front of you. Be like Joseph. When Potiphar's wife came to Joseph and said, Joseph, you're looking mighty good, son. And here I am. I'm looking real good too. And you can plainly see. It said she, she could, you could plainly see her good looks too. I won't get graphic, but you could plainly see her good looks. And, and she said, hey, my husband's gone. Come lie with me. What did Joseph say? I can't do that against Potiphar. I might lose my job. What did he say? Oh, wow, that's, that sounds real good. But if we do it this way, you know, I'll, I'll get kicked out. Maybe we can kill Potiphar, and then you and I can get married. He didn't say that either. He said, I won't sin against God by laying with you. And he ran. You say, AJ, should you run from sin? Literally, physically, actually, every time, run from it. Well, I might look crazy. Sin will make you look even more crazy if you participate in it. Should I really run? There are some situations where you really should get up and run out of the room. When do I stop running? Till you know, I was going to say out of breath, but for me that would be a different, different distance than other people who are good at running. Mr. Wayne's good at running. But just keep running. And when you can't run, keep walking. When you can't walk, crawl. But go the opposite direction of sin. You're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to make a choice. I'm going to order my life by the Word of God. If God says yes, yes. God says no, no. Amen. And when you do that, you'll live in the power of God. You'll live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Things that are literally impossible in the earth for men will be made possible for you. Because God has found someone He can trust. Alright, I want us to look at that first point. Look at Hebrews eleven twenty four. 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, we're talking about right standing with God. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. This word, became of age, in the Greek, many scholars, they make mention of this. It's not just like, you know, one day he hit a birthday, he kind of, you know, he's older in life, he's gotten some common sense, and uh, he decided he'd no longer be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know the story. In the book of Exodus, there's a new Pharaoh that comes along. 
one that didn't know Joseph or the people of Israel. This new Pharaoh sees all the Israelites and how they're multiplying and growing. And he says, something's got to happen here because there's going to be more of them than they are of us Egyptians. And if a war comes about and someone attacks us, the Israelites might join in with the enemy and they'll overtake us. So Pharaoh's demonic, wicked, evil plan was to kill the firstborn son of every family. Anytime anyone wants to slaughter children, it's demonic. Regardless of how they want to phrase it, whether it's legal or not, I'll never stop saying the Bible truth. It is wrong to murder, whether in the womb, outside the womb. And that same wicked spirit of Antichrist that moved on Pharaoh, moved in Egypt, and he begins to slaughter the firstborn sons of all the Israelite women. It's interesting because when I was reading that through my Bible reading last year, I told Laura, because it says, you know, he commands, Pharaoh commands the midwives. He says to these midwives, you're going to be responsible for killing these boys when they're born. And the midwives feared God. Hey, talk about Bible boldness. The mandate, Pharaoh says, let it be written, let it be done, as it would be said in that Charleston Heston movie of the Ten Commandments. Let it be written, let it be done. And the midwives, they said, it may be written, but we won't do it. We fear God. And then what they told Pharaoh was, these Israelite women, they're lively women. We try to get there, and they have these babies before we even get there. And I told Laura, I said, you know, I'm a man of the word here, Laura. This is when she was still pregnant with Naomi. I said, you may just have this baby before we even get there because you're a lively woman. And Laura said, you better not be praying that. You better not say that around here. I want to get there and have plenty of time, get ready. She's a planner and an organizer. You better not. I'm not. I said, that would be a cool story, Laura. She said, not for me. It would not be. And I thought, you know, hey, we might even be able to cut. I said, if I did half of it in the car, maybe I could get a discount. No, I won't go there. We won't cut corners that way either. She said, we can find other ways to cut money. These midwives, they feared God. But also in verse 23 of Hebrews 11, you'll see it says that the parents, Aram and Jochebed, Moses' parents, they feared God. And so they refused to obey the law of the land. Sometimes Christians need to disobey the law of the land. Acts 5.29, do whatever you want, Peter, James, and John say. Peter and John say, but as for us, we will obey God. Sometimes it's okay to be locked up in jail if you're locked up for the right reasons. Now, don't just go get locked up and say, hey, Jesus, it's all right for me to be locked up. No, when they flipped on those blue lights and you was going 70 and a 30 and wouldn't stop, that's why you in jail. That wasn't for the Lord. They were in right standing with God. They, by faith, the Bible says by faith. Now, we know faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. We don't know it explicitly. But we can see through the actions of Moses' parents in Hebrews 11, by faith, somehow their parents, his parents, Moses' parents, acted on a word from God. By faith, they hid Moses. And you know the story. He, they, they can't hide him for very long, about three months. They put him in the river. He floats down the river. 
to the princess. And Pharaoh's daughter sees Moses. This is beautiful. This is the power of God. This is faith in God right here. A bold decision will make you prosper. Pharaoh's daughter sees Moses, pulls him out. That's what Moses means. Drawn out, pulled out, plucked out. Pulls him out. And then Miriam, Moses' sister who's out standing in the reeds, comes up and says, as sure as a pretty baby, would you like me to find an Israelite woman to nurse that baby for you? And Pharaoh's daughter says, of course. And she... How, would, how many would like to get a paycheck to raise your own children? <laughs> That's what happened. The Pharaoh's daughter supplied and fed and made sure that baby had the best he needed. And who got to do it? His mama. By faith. So here they are. Verse 24. Faith is, uh, Moses is growing up. It says, when he became of age. We see in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7, when he's about 40 years old, Moses, it says, it came into his heart to go see his brethren, the Israelites. When he came of age, it wasn't like he hit his 18th birthday or his 21st birthday. What I want you to see is this. It, when he came up into dignity, when he came up in power, when he came up in influence... Him growing older in Pharaoh's court, book of Acts again tells us that he studied and had all the wisdom of Egypt available to him. And he was reared in Pharaoh's court. He sat, I'm sure, on Pharaoh's lap, grandpa's lap, the Pharaoh. He had whatever he wanted. But there came a point in his heart, he realized, this is not who I am. I can't live here anymore. In fact, Josephus, a, an extra-biblical, not someone in the Bible, but someone that is very well uh, a scholar that had history written of, of the Jewish people and used by so many Bible studies and scholars and people, very, very well-known and, and very well-proven historians said that Moses probably was a general in the Egyptian army. And there were wars between Ethiopia and Egypt before this time. And that Moses probably as being a son of the daughter of Pharaoh went out and led Egypt's armies against Ethiopia and came back in victory. Moses, it wasn't just like Moses had nothing to lose. There was a cost for Moses to be bold. Look at this, verse 24. When he came of age, when he came up in dignity, when he came up in stature and power... He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Something inside of him wouldn't allow him to go with the flow. The Spirit of God shook him because he wasn't just to be drawn out of water. He was to be drawn out and separated from Egypt so that he could deliver his people. And it wasn't like he had nothing to lose. I want you to understand this. There may be a time in your life, maybe it's already happened, there may be more than one time, but there comes a time where following Jesus costs something. Hey, I preach victory. I preach the Bible, that's why I preach victory. But that doesn't mean there's not a cost to serving Jesus. You can look in any degree. Waking up early or staying up late so that you can pray, that's a cost. Times when the Holy Spirit wants you to pray with fasting, that's a cost. Reading your Bible instead of watching TV or scrolling social media, that's a cost. Being here today is a cost. That's why everyone don't show up at church. It takes some work. And probably Sundays, 
or harder than any other day to get out of the house. Isn't that peculiar? The most important thing you're going to is the hardest to get out. There's a cost to serving God. And he refused. But see, here's, here's what happened in Moses' spirit. Why settle for the lesser and be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter when inside he knew he was a son of God? And the world will try to say, man, you want to stand up for Jesus? That's going to cost you a lot. We're going to do this to you or do that to you or take your job or you can't live here or you can't do this or kick you out of this school or silence you on the airwaves, internet, whatever. There's a cost to that. Are you sure you want to do that? Yeah, because I'd rather be known as a child of God than a child of disobedience. And Moses saw that. Why am I going to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter when I'm a son of God? And if I'm a son of God, I can't stay here. There is sometimes a cost to your deciding to follow Jesus. Now look at this, verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He made a choice. It wasn't that he didn't have a good life. He could enjoy the pleasures of sin. Now, this is different than the treasures of Egypt. The Bible tells us that sin, all sin falls in three categories. Lust of the flesh, lust of the mind, pride of life. Pride of life, son of Pharaoh's daughter. Lust of the flesh, the pleasures of sin. Lust of the mind, the treasures of Egypt. All sin falls in those three areas. And if you get all those three areas under, under the crucifixion, un, crucifying that, you'll keep on winning with God. Now, Moses, he said, I'd rather suffer with the people of God. He said, I'd rather be a slave and write with God than enjoy anything I can get a hold of. You know, people talk about freedom. And Pastor mentioned this. He mentioned this several times. In, this, in the past series, I was teaching on who Christ is and what He's doing right now, present day. But He made mention, He said, you know, in America, we have freedom of religion. Now, we don't endorse you worshiping a rock, worshiping a tree, worshiping Buddha, worshiping any of the three million Hindu gods or Allah, or worshiping yourself, atheism, or worshiping money. You can, don't mean you should. And some people think freedom of sin is real freedom. But really all freedom of sin is, is your choosing of which bondage you might like to have. It's like, I'm going to get, oh, I get to choose my master. Oh, okay, I'll have a little bit of, little bit of pornography, a little bit of lust and adultery, a little bit of uh, sexual perversions, homosexuality, transgender. After all, we're free. We can do whatever we want. I have a little bit of God, uh, money as my God. I have a little bit of politics as my God. After all, we're free. No, you're bound. You just get to choose what cell you stay in. But Moses said, why would I enjoy what may, may seem pleasurable to the body, to the mind? Why would I stay there in the pleasures of something that is temporal? It says that in verse 25, passing pleasures of sin. The passing pleasures of sin. The King James says, the pleasures of sin for a season. Someone say payday. payday. 
The Bible says that the work of sin, the paycheck for the work of sin is death. If you show up to your employer Satan and work the work of sin, payday comes and it's death. I think I'll pass. Amen? I'll get a new employer. When you work the works of righteousness, you'll receive the paycheck of righteousness, which is life, life abundant, life eternal. I think I'll have the new employer, King Jesus. Amen? And Moses said, I'm not going to choose to live in this sin, though it may feel good for a season. Don't nobody lie here. Sin feels good for a season. So does eating that 12th chocolate chip cookie. Oh, man. It felt real good until about two minutes later when I was like, oh, Lord, help me. And he's saying, I can't do nothing to help for you. You, done, you won't close your mouth. Ingalls has, my mother did it to me. Oh, you say I'm going to blame my mother? No, she, she at her house, she had this baker's dozen. What's a baker's dozen? 12 plus 1, right? That's so you can eat one and nobody knows. I baked a dozen cookies for you. No, I, I ate one on the way over here, right? And, and Inkles has these baker dozens of cookies, and they're not small. They're big. And they have the calories worth of five or six cookies, and they just don't hold back the sugar and all the richness in it. And I told you I like chocolate, and I found they had triple chocolate. That's, called, that's the Lord's chocolate because it's chocolate with more than enough. It's all kind of chocolate. It's bountiful chocolate. It's the chocolate at the marriage lamb of the supper. <laughs> marriage supper of the lamb. And so I didn't just eat one of them, but in the course of two weeks, I somehow managed to... Laura, she ate some too. But she said, I don't, she said, AJ, where's the cookies you bought? I said, oh, I finished them. She said, how many were there? I said, well, there were five in it, and I ate three, and I thought, there ain't no sense in leaving two. Might as well go ahead and finish them off. I still had some milk left. It may seem good for a season. But then I wake up and the next morning I think, man, you know, I must be, my, must be working my abs out too much. My pants are getting a little tight. No, it seems, it seems good for a season. For a se someone say for a season. He chose rather to suffer with the people of God. The psalmist said this in Psalms 84.10. He says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. And he says this, I like this, this is bold. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I'd rather stand and hold that door than live in the tents of the wicked and have anything they can give me. I'd rather clean the toilets at the church than be put in the best and richest places of sin. Well, that's crazy. The Lord will exalt the humble, but He resists the proud. Proverbs 14, There is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in destruction. That's silly. Why would you do that and count that cost? I'm going to live it up for a season. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Someone say reward. If you see behind me, reproach and reward. Verse 26 is six, esteem. We don't use that word a whole lot. But that word esteem literally means he weighed it out. How many has ever seen those balance weights? You know, I know, was it a... 
at courthouses, lots of times they'll have the lady who's blindfolded with a sword, which is the execution of judgment. And then on the other hand, it has those scales that are weighed, the scales of justice. He weighed it out. He made a judgment. He looked at both of them. And he said, I'd rather suffer with, for God. I'd rather do that, even if in this moment it hurts. I'd rather win Christ. Now think about it. He's an Old Testament saint. The book of Hebrews says that these Old Testament saints, they believed, they confessed, they looked toward, even though in their lifetime they didn't grab a hold of it. But you're in the new covenant. And who they believed and confessed and longed for has come and His name's Jesus. And you can have the reward of their suffering. You can have now what they lived an entire life in expectation for. And they got it too. They got it too. And when Christ, is, His body's dead, that's what He's doing. He's preaching to the righteous abode in paradise. He's going down to the paradise and He's telling these saints of God, who you believed on and were waiting for, I'm here. Man, that's a revival meeting. Three days with God and all the Old Testament saints that stayed righteous and believed on Him. He, he judged that it would be better to have Christ. It would be a greater rich. It would be greater riches to have Christ than anything Egypt can give me. And that's a decision that you have to make if you want to stand bold for God you got to look and say, you know what? I'd rather hold the door open for the people of God than sell out and live in the tents of the wicked no matter what they can give me. It's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, 24. Then said Jesus to His disciples. Turn with me there, in fact. I want you to see that. Matthew 16, 24. I haven't had you flip very much, and I feel like you're going to go lazy on me if I don't get your fingers all warmed up. Matthew chapter 16 verse 24, or tap, flip, tap, click, Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, and take up a cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. If you want to really live, give yourself to Jesus. If you really want to live, you really want to be filled with righteousness, peace, and joy, which is the foundation of the kingdom. If you really want to experience the totality of God's goodness, surrender totally, completely, always, all the time, every time to Jesus. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what, you know, and that's the problem today. People haven't found their life because it's hid in Christ. They're walking around as dead people, dead in sin. But when they find Jesus, not only are they saved and forgiven from the work of sin, they find life. They find their life. How many believes God has a purpose for every person on the earth? I really do. But they won't find it unless they find Jesus because He is the way to life. For what profits a man or a woman if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? 
For the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He will reward. Someone say reward. Each according to His works. What I love about God and His Word is this. He'll never, ever, ever, ever lie to you. One. And two, concerning the cost, even suffering for Christ, He'll never mention the cost apart from the glory. Can you see that? For what does it profit a man, verse 26, if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? There's a cost. If you'll lay down your life for me, verse 27, the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father and will reward each according to His works. Yes, there's a cost for living for Jesus. But the cost living for Jesus is so little in comparison to the cost of sin, the cost of death, the cost of an eternal place called hell. This is basic stuff. I understand that. You might think, well, A.J., why do you say this? You know, I, I, here I am. I've been faithfully attending church, and, and I'm, I love Jesus, and I live for Him. This sounds like more something like you might say as an evangelistic message or trying to win someone to Christ. Because here's the gospel truth. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, The Spirit expressly speaks that in the last days there will be a deceiving of people, a deceiving of the church, a deceiving of people who really believe Jesus. They've got the goods concerning salvation. But they'll give themselves over to doctrines of devils. And so we, we, Pastor and I, we do our best to teach the whole counsel of God's Word. And, and it's good to have something like this every now and then to remind us, you know what? No matter what Satan may come across and say, you know, you're all right. Why don't you just play a little bit with this? God won't mind. You can snap back and say, no, 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 no. That will cost me far, far too much. Moses said, I'm not going to trade the riches of Christ for the riches of Egypt. He looked, he saw, he could see. It's the same thing that Paul said in Philippians 3.8. I count all things, everything I've gotten, everything I've done, everything I've learned, I count it loss worthless compared to the excellency of knowing Jesus. How many can truly say knowing Christ is the greatest riches you have in your life? Knowing Jesus is my greatest riches. And again, I, I'm not just preaching suffer, cost, suffer, cost, suffer, cost. Because Jesus said in Mark 10, He said, you know what? If you'll follow me, you may give up mother, father, husband, wife, houses, land, but I will repay you in this life. See, the miracle-working power of God to bring about what He has promised us in this life, someone say this life, requires a boldness to say, even though it may cost me something of the earth and the world right now, I know that I will be rewarded and repaid in this life far greater. Think about it. What if Moses didn't leave Egypt? What if he valued the treasures of Egypt more than the reproach of Christ? We may, probably not, unless you just love studying Egyptology and the history of Egypt as a nation. Maybe one of us may at some point have read a history book and we heard about Pharaoh Moses III, and that's it. If he traded 
the riches of Christ for the riches of Egypt. He would have just been a name and a history book and some mummy in some museum somewhere. But now he is in the hall of faith, Hebrews 11. Though he be dead, he yet still speaks. His life, even now, thousands of years later, bear a testimony that if you'll just stick it out with Jesus, it will be more than worth the cost you may ever pay. Acts 5.41, it says this. The apostles, they suffered some persecution. They went through their preaching, healing the sick. They're growing the church. The Pharisees, Sadducees, they come out and they get upset with them. First they tell them, you know, y'all better quit preaching in this name Jesus. And that's when he, they say, you know, we rather obey God than obey man. And then they get knocked around, pushed around. They get persecuted. And it says that they left rejoicing, Acts 5.41, because they were worthy to suffer the shame for the name of Jesus. When, you, when you're at a place where there's no cost too great to follow Jesus, then there's nothing that Jesus won't do on your behalf. Think about it. Jesus says that. He said, if you deny me before men, I'm going to deny you before the Father. But if you'll make me known before men, I will make you known before the Father. Can anyone say answered prayer? You know, that, and that's a, that's a reality of it too. Some people might say, I'm having a hard time getting this prayer through. Now, not always. But in my life, I've learned to ask this question. If there's a delay on prayer, and I know, it's, I know I've got Bible on this, what I'm asking God, I might stop and say, this might be one of the questions I ask myself. If God answers this prayer, what will it do for Him? Now, not that everything, you know, not everything that you're praying for has to be something that will do for God. But God doesn't just, He's not a genie just willing out, willing, dealing here and there. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16 that he's looking out all across the earth for people whose hearts are turned toward him so that he can move mighty in their life. See, it's not that I can just ring up God and say, Lord, I need you to do this, and I'll see you next week. It's, Lord, I'm in this with you through thick and thin. I ain't backing down. I ain't slowing up. I'm going forward. And I just believe that with your goodness, your mercy, your grace, the riches of Christ, now in this life, spiritual, yes, but also soulish, I'll have peace. I'll have joy. I'll have power in my marriage and my relationships with my children. And physically, I'll be whole in my body. I'll have every need met in excess. I just believe, Lord, that if I'm sticking it out with you, there's just nothing that we can't blast through and have victory after victory after victory. And that's where Moses was. He saw Christ and he said, I have to have that. I have to have Him. And it doesn't matter what it may cost me right now because having Him is so far greater than anything else anyone could give me. Now I want you to see this as we come to a close today. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. Hebrews 11.27 By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. 
for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now this is not, if you remember the story, Moses tries to bring about his calling, being a deliverer for Israel, doing it his own way. He sees, some, he sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite. He says, well, I'm the deliverer. I'll, I think I got a pretty good idea. I'll go kill that guy. And he kills the Egyptian, buries him in the sand. And he thought, well, I just delivered him. I, after all, I am a deliverer. But he did it his way. You, if you want life to go smooth, do what God's told you to do, it, to do, but do it God's way. God can tell you to do something, but if, you try, if I try, you try to do it in our wisdom, our, our way will not be near as good as the way God would do it. That's why we have to yield. And so Moses, he's trying to do it his own way. And then the next day he comes out and two Israelites are fighting each other. He says, hey guys, settle down. Y'all brothers, y'all family, why are you fighting? Sometimes family fight, don't they? They, <laughs> they shouldn't be. Here they are, they're fighting. And, and one guy says, what you going to do, Moses, kill us too? And he thought, oh, cat's out of the bag. And he runs in fear. This is not what verse 27 is talking about. He forsook Egypt. It's talking about when Moses comes back with a word from God. Moses, I'm the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you will be a deliverer. Even though those men mocked you years ago and said, Moses, who made you a ruler and judge over us? You will be a ruler and a judge over them and will bring out my people from Egypt. And when he went in there, he declared the word of the Lord. He boldly stood before Pharaoh. And then sign and wonder, sign and wonder, ten plagues of signs and wonders took place till when he left Egypt, that night when that death angel came through and repaid the sins of that Pharaoh by taking the firstborn of every person in Egypt who did not have the blood on their doors, they left, but they didn't leave running. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that they walked through. We know the story, right? Those waters came up. Moses, he's looking behind them. <laughs> and, and in fact, turn with me. We're, this is where we're going to finish. Exodus chapter 14 is where we're going to finish today in just a minute or so here. But you've got to see this. This is so powerful and so good. Exodus chapter 14. Verse 10, And Pharaoh drew near, and the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, What, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you've taken us out to die in the wilderness? They've already started their complaining because of fear. Why have you dealt with us to bring us out to Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you? We told you so, Moses. You know what? When you stand bold for Christ, when you stand bold for God, sometimes people might say, well, I told you that wasn't going to work. In the middle, that short period of time where there's a cost, some people may be backbiters and, and, and gossipers and liars and say, I told them not to do that. I told them that was a dumb idea. I thought that, 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 that. But in that short period of time of cost, they may get up and start complaining but stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Here they are. Let us, leave us alone, Moses. We, we didn't even want you to come. They're crying out for a deliverer from God. God sends them a deliverer. And when the deliverer shows up, they say, leave. It's like Jesus. Save us. I'm here to save you. Ooh, I don't like that. Leave. We'll crucify you. And Moses said to the people, verse 13, catch this, don't be afraid. Stand still. 
and see the salvation of the Lord, which He accomplished for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. If you want the Lord to fight for you, do what God said to do. If you want the Lord to bring about the promises of His Word in your life, just obey. But that's going to take a little bit of Holy Ghost spine. You're going to have to stand up and say, I don't care if they're mocking me, I'm going to stand with God. Because I will stand and I will see the salvation of God. I remember hearing Laura say it. And, and she got a little, she got mocked a little bit about it, but I'm not going to go into details or anything. But when Laura and I were believing for God's promises, children, I heard her say it. And, and, and there's just something that takes place, uh, holy fervor takes place when the Word of God seeds itself in your heart. Laura said, point blank, said, even if I didn't have the organs to produce a baby, I know I'll have a child from my own womb. Even if, the, even if I didn't have what it took physically, I know I would still have it. I said, amen, so be it. And you know, and so on. Well, that's crazy talk. The things of God always look crazy to the doubters and the unbelievers until it happens. And this world needs some Moseses because the people behind you may be mocking you. I don't know why you'd live like that anyway. That confession stuff's crazy. Healing stuff, no, 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 no. I don't know why you pay your tithes. All they want is your money. You know, he says that on the way to the casino the third time that week. I don't know why you take your tithes to the church. They just want your money. People will mock, but let the mockers see the glory of God. People may mock, but let them stand and see the salvation of the Lord on my behalf, on your behalf. And it's so good. Verse 15, And the Lord said to Mo Moses, What are you talking to me for? Tell the children to go forward. I told, they're standing at the Red Sea. They're looking. The Red Sea's in front of them. Impossible. Pharaoh's army's behind them. Curse. Model, these stone walls, hardships beside them. And what's God say? Go forward. The doubt or the unbeliever will say, there's the big red sea, Lord, and I ain't got no boat. Man's wisdom might, be say, might say, well, let's build a boat. Let's build a bridge 15 years later. They can't build a bridge, though. They don't have 15 years. Pharaoh's army is going to slice and dice them up. And what does God say? Go forward. And as they go forward, Moses obeys. Lift up that staff. See, when it gets right down to it, obeying God just isn't that hard. Lifting up the staff isn't hard. Parting the waters is the hard part. God gives us the easy part. Only believe. And if you only believe, you'll do what I told you to do, go forward, lift up the staff. And the waters, what happened? They split. I like it. In Psalm 77, verse 16, it said that the Lord came through 
I've got to read this to you. Psalm 77, 16. Psalm 77, 16. The water saw you, O God. The water saw you, and they were afraid. And the depths also trembled. What, what scares the fearful, what scares the doubters, what will scare the unbelievers, what shakes the heart of the mockers is afraid of God. Those waters, they scared them. Those Egyptian armies, they scared them. But when God showed up, think about that. Literally, it says the waters saw God. God was there. And I just don't think God from heaven moved the water. I think God was the first one in front of those Israelites. And as they begin to walk, he's saying, all right, we've got faith. Here comes my power. And the water saw God and like ice walls. God's walking through. Because Moses said, if you'll just stand and see the salvation of the Lord, if you won't be afraid, God will fight your battle for you. And those waters went up and they walked through, not on wet land, not on muddy land. God made the path dry. Their Reebok classics didn't have one drop of mud on them. They walked through with their Jerusalem Air Nikes and they weren't dirty. Dry ground. When God works, it's not a halfway work. Miss Helen, if you could come forward and play the piano for us. When God does something, He doesn't just show up and do what you think He can do. The Bible says in Ephesians 3 that God will do exceedingly, abundantly, what you can imagine or think. Whatever your best thought you could think up, use the power of your imagination. Man, this would be good if God could do that. God says, that's pretty good but I've got something a whole lot better in mind. But it's going to take some boldness. Remember, Church of Acts, they didn't ask for faith. You've got all the faith you need. God's given everyone a measure of faith. You've got faith. You just need to act on it. We've got the Word. We just need to act on it. We have the Holy Spirit. We just need to obey how many is going to obey? How many is going to look and see and know that it just doesn't matter what might come to pass, that my God, your God will see you through? How many believe that? Amen. How many really believe that if we won't be fearful, fear no one but God, obey God above all, anyone, that God will move on our behalf? How many is going to surrender every battle to the Lord? How many knows that the Lord will fight your battles if you'll simply stand and see the salvation of the Lord? Stand up with me today. And just for a moment, just for a moment, I want you to close your eyes. Lift your heart to the Lord. Just begin to worship God. The Word of God's went forth. The Holy Spirit is here moving and confirming the Word of the Lord. And right now, it's just you and God. 
anything in your life right now that's hindering your walk with God, if there's anything in you that you say, you know what? I just, I just need to be done with this. Won't you lay it down at the foot of the cross right this moment? Because the cost of laying down that hindrance, that easily besetting sin, is so small and minuscule compared to the reward of Christ here and in the life to come. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Let's pray this together as a church. Pray it from your belly, out your mouth. Let the Lord hear it today. Say, Father, I believe You. I believe Your Word. And I believe that Jesus is Lord. He is holy. And He will and He has cleansed me so I'm clean. He's forgiven me so I'm forgiven. I will walk in holiness. I will pay the price to walk holy even as you are holy. For holiness produces your power. So Lord, fill me with your power. Power to stand in the midst of persecution, opposition, mocking, or unbelief. I'll stand with Christ and in all my standing I shall see the salvation of the Lord. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, give a hand clap of praise to the Lord and a shout of amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, we bless Your name. We thank You for Your mercy and kindness that fills our lives. Even now, Father God, shake us, shake this church with the power of the Holy Ghost so that when we leave and are going and are coming again, we will have miracles, signs, wonders, testimonies, and proven prayers and promises of Your Word come to pass in our life. Even now, Father God, we believe You're fighting our battles. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hallelujah. God bless. I love you. Amen.